I am one of four children. I'm a middle child. I don't know if you knew that about me or could tell from the stereotypical things about middle children, but I have two brothers and a sister. And that puts me right in the middle of two brothers, which means I have both an older brother and a younger brother. And as a kid, and maybe still a little bit to this day, it wasn't that uncommon for me to look at my little brother and say to my mom, why does he always have to copy me? Why do little brothers always copy their older brothers? Of course, I did the same thing to my older brother, but it didn't bother me when I was the one copying someone else. It only bothered me when it was my little brother trying to act like me, trying to dress like me, trying to be like me. That really bothered me. And you know what my mom said to me? David, David, don't you know? He only does that because he looks up to you. He only does that because he loves you, right? Imitation is the sincerest form of what? Flattery. We all know that saying. And yet, when you're a middle child, when you're a middle boy, when you want to be different than everybody else, it bothers you when other people copy you. Now, I'm telling you all of that, not just to rehash a story from my youth, although it is good to remember the times I had with my little brother, I'm going to see him in a couple of weeks. I can relive some of those things. But I'm telling you all of that because in the gospel reading, I want you to have this context for what Jesus says. I want you to have the context of being copiers. Being copiers. Whether you are a little brother copying your older brother, whether you are a son copying your father, a daughter copying your mother, a student copying your teacher, it is true in humanity, it is true in our very nature that we exist as those who copy. And no amount of kind of the modern individualistic age, which promotes just the opposite, right? Be unique, be an individual. No amount of that kind of messaging actually changes it in us. So what do you see in the youth today? They're all so busy being different in exactly the same way, right? And you can see that pattern repeat throughout the generations. There are those who try to carve out a unique individual identity for themselves, but in so doing, they're just copying somebody else. In the beginning, God made us in his image. Remember that? In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them in his image and in his likeness. Remember how God made Adam, how he formed him out of the dust, how he breathed into him the breath of life, and how he wonderfully built, that's the word that scripture uses, he built a woman for Adam out of his rib, right? But all of that, Adam and Eve, were meant to be images of God. We were meant to copy Not our brothers, not our sisters, not just our parents, but we were all made to copy God, to be his images. You can think of it this way. You were made to be a mirror. You were made to be a mirror of God into the world around you. So you weren't made to be a mirror that just lays on the ground and reflects straight up, but you are made to be an angled mirror that reflects the image of God from above out into the world around you. And if if Adam and Eve hadn't eaten of that tree... That's exactly what would have happened. They would have multiplied and filled the earth. And as they did, the image of God, his goodness, his providence, his guidance of all creation would have filled the whole earth. But of course, that's not what happened. The mirror was shattered. 
the image was broken, and instead of modeling themselves after the Lord God, who provided them with all that was good, Adam and Eve, and we in their steps, modeled ourselves on a different pattern. But what does Jesus say to us this morning? Be like your father. That's what all of this stuff, and there are many commands that Jesus gives in our reading today. Judge not, lest you be judged. Condemn not, forgive. Give all of these things are to be heard this way. Be copies of your father. Be imitators of God. Be like your father. But of course, there's many distortions of what that image is. And so Jesus very clearly, very directly, not very Longly, He doesn't use a lot of words, but he sums up God's nature this way. He says, be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now think of that. Here is Jesus' description of God. God is merciful. That is the image that you bear in this world. That is the image Jesus has come to restore. When you were adopted into the family of God through holy baptism, his spirit began to work this in you. You received the mercy of God. And what you have received, what you have been made, the rest of your life is to become. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Be images of of God. But of course, in the world, there are lots of distortions of that image, aren't there? And if you have a distorted image of God, you will reflect a distorted image of God. So some people have it in their minds that God is in, an indifferent sort of God. You know what I mean by indifferent? That God is unmoved, he is uncaring, he is unfazed, he is disconnected from our world. He's like a dad who, when the son comes home and says, Dad, bad news, I wrecked the car. Dad says, oh, well, no big deal, and goes back to reading the paper. God is not an indifferent God who is far off. Others have this view that God is an indulgent sort of God, right? That he somehow revels in our weaknesses and in our sins. That he looks down on us and he sees all of the mistakes, all of the errors, all the sins and trespasses that we make, and he says, oh, that's so cute. Oh, I hope they keep doing that forever. God is not indulgent either. God is not a God who winks at sin, who says, oh, no big deal. It doesn't really matter all that much. But neither is he an angry dad. See, there's another distortion of God, that God just makes rules to keep us from having fun, right? That's how every child feels about their parents. All these rules, go to bed at eight o'clock, get up at six o'clock, finish your vegetables, all those rules keep me back from what I really want to do, from the good life. God does not give us rules to hold us down, and he doesn't give us rules because somehow he delights in punishing us. See, again, that's a distortion of God. And if we have these distortions about who God is, then when we hear Jesus say, be like God, we will think, oh, we're supposed to be indifferent, or we're supposed to be indulgent, or we're supposed to go through the world angry and mad at everyone. Jesus says it this way. Be merciful, merciful, as your Father is merciful. Now think of mercy this morning. Think of how different mercy is from indifference and indulgence. Right? Sometimes we kind of bring those things pretty close together because God is forgiving, God is merciful, so it must not be that big of a deal that we sin, right? 
God looks away from our sins. He overlooks them. He passes over them. But mercy takes sin seriously, right? If you don't take sin seriously, you can't actually have mercy. If I go home to my parents when I was in school, if I went home every day and I said, well, sorry, mom and dad, I got in trouble again. I got into another fight. And they said, oh, David, it's okay. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. It's no big deal. That's not mercy, is it? That's negligence. The mercy of God is revealed not in his negligence over sin, but the mercy of God is revealed in how seriously he takes it and in how he sends his son to pay the price for our sins. And so if you want to see what the mercy of God really looks like, if you want to see that mercy visibly depicted before you, if you want to see the image of God's mercy, then look at the cross. In the cross, what do you see? You see what God has done to forgive our sins, how a price has been paid. In the cross of Jesus, we see not only the forgiveness of our sins, but we see the awful price that our sins cost. Here is the mercy of God. Sin taken seriously, yes, but sin also paid for. That is what real mercy looks like. That is the mercy of the Father, and that is the mercy that Jesus says you are to have for yourself. Becoming like your Father means that your actions should follow after his, that you should try to copy in your own life what God has first shown to you, right? You should do what you are, right? Like an animal. We were at the zoo on Monday, and uh, there was this kind of funny um, display. I don't know if, well, maybe it wasn't funny, but um, they, it was in the zebra display, okay? They, um, they said that zebra stripes, how does this go? I should have written this down. Zebra stripes, somehow, the pattern of the zebra stripes keeps the flies off of the zebra. So what they did was somehow they bred the zebra's They took the zebra genes and somehow got it into a cow. Those of you who know about cows can tell me how that's possible. And it worked. It worked that the flies wouldn't land on the cow. Now, what in the world does that have to do with what I'm saying? This, what you are, should determine what you do. So a cow normally can't be like a zebra, and a zebra can't be like a cow. It took some strange scientific combination of the two. Well, God doesn't do scientific experiments on you, but when his spirit gets a hold of you, when you were brought into his family, you were made a child of the merciful father. And that change goes deep into you. So that now, as you think of your life in this world, you are not meant to copy the other things of the world. You are meant to copy the mercy of God. And Jesus spells out pretty clearly what that means. It means you are not to go through life just looking for someone to judge and condemn. Now, we hear this passage quoted to us quite often, especially in this month, right? Judge not, Jesus said. It's kind of like the ultimate trump card that non-Christians pull out, right, when they don't want you to tell them that they're doing something wrong. They say, aha, but Jesus said you shouldn't judge, so you can't tell me anything. It's true, Jesus said judge not and condemn not. But remember, throughout his ministry, Jesus called sinners to repentance. Throughout his ministry, Jesus spoke to those who were caught in sin, and he told them, go and sin no more. When Jesus says, judge not, he doesn't mean that you can never recognize good from evil, that you can't point out sin from righteousness. 
What he means, what he means is that is not the only message that you take into the world. You are not to go through this world just looking to point out everybody's problems. Here are your five problems today. Here's your six problems. Here's your 27 problems. Do not go through the world with that judgmental kind of spirit because your father was not like that with you. And thank God that he wasn't, right? Thank God that God the Father did not look down on us and say, boy, they're really screwed up. I'm going to go down. I'm going to send my son to point out all of their problems. No, when Christ came into the world, he came to save the world. And so when you are sent out into the world as the children of the merciful Father, you go with a message that proclaims both repentance and forgiveness. Judge not, condemn not, but instead forgive. Forgive. The message of forgiveness is the message that we seek to make known to everyone, to our children, to our grandchildren, to our friends, to those who do not know us. Because it is in the message of forgiveness that there is actually freedom, right? Negligence won't get you freedom. If you are an indulgent father, you are not helping your children. But God the Father is not indulgent towards us. He is forgiving. And that word forgiveness literally means to set free. Right? It's as if when we come into this place every week, we come with all of the baggage of our sins. Right? We come chained up and weighed down by our guilt and our shame. And when we hear the words of Christ saying to us, I forgive you your sin, right? the messenger of Christ Jesus telling you your sins are forgiven, it is as if, it is as if he is saying you are free. You are set free from all of that. The weight of your sin does not weigh down on you anymore. You are free. And that, dear friends, is what you are to imitate in God. That is what you are to imitate in the world around you. But it doesn't mean that that it's not going to be painful. After all, look at what forgiveness cost our Lord Jesus. It's often a mistake that Christians make to think, okay, I know I'm supposed to forgive everybody, So I'll just try really hard this week not to let anything bother me. Have any of you ever tried that? You can get to maybe Monday afternoon, okay? Forgiveness does not mean it doesn't bother me. Forgiveness means, forgiveness means that I don't require it of someone else. Forgiveness means that I will take the price into myself, like Joseph, who suffered all of that evil from his brothers, but said, I forgive you. Yes, you will pay a price to forgive others, but in so doing, in so doing, you are only following the example of your Lord Jesus, who paid the ultimate price so that your sins might be forgiven. Forgive and give, Jesus says, for your heavenly Father has given and forgiven to you. And then he finishes his speech this morning with these words. He speaks not of fathers and children, but he speaks of a master and his disciples. He says, every disciple who is perfectly trained will be just like his master. And then he tells this little story about the man who has a log in his own eye, right? Sometimes people take that to mean Jesus is saying that we can never correct one another because we always have a log in our own eyes, okay? Jesus is not saying that. He is saying that there is a way that you can help those around you. There is a way that you can correct those around you, but don't get it twisted. First, you must take care of yourself. First, you must be able to see, and only then can you remove the speck that is in your brother's eyes. 
Oh, how true to, to human reality Jesus speaks. Don't we do this all the time? Don't we magnify the sins of everybody else and minimize our own sins? They all have logs in their eyes. I just have a little speck. Jesus says, no, no, no. It's the other way around. Take your sins seriously. And then, only then, move on to help those who are around you, to correct those who are around you. And thankfully, Jesus gives you people around you to help you. Remember how I started this morning? You are to be a little mirror reflecting the image of God to the world around you. Well, that's true in the church, isn't it? Aren't we to be little mirrors who reflect the image of God one to another? And part of that, part of that is offering help and correction, offering forgiveness and grace to those who are around us. See, it's a joyful thing, isn't it, that Jesus doesn't just call us in isolation. He doesn't say, you're going to be a little congregation unto yourself. You are going to be an image of God unto yourself. He brings us together in the church so that we have brothers and sisters around us who we can imitate. There are brothers and sisters around you. There are fathers and mothers in the faith who have gone before you, who have shown you what the mercy of God is like. Parents do this for their children all the time. Husbands and wives are to do this for each other all the time. Friends do this for one another all the time. Pastors and members of the congregation do it for one another all the time. Because God does not want his mercy simply to be something that you hear about. But he wants his mercy to be something that you experience, that you feel, that you know, that you are a recipient of. Because then, then that mercy can actually change you. After all, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And we only copy that which we love. Well, has not the Heavenly Father shown his love for you in this, that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for your sins. He has had mercy on you. So, so dear friends, be imitators of him. Be ye merciful as your Heavenly Father is merciful to you. To him be the glory now and always. Amen.